TV party tonight. All right! We're gonna have a TV party, all right! Tonight! We've got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Everybody's gonna hang out here tonight! All right! We'll pass out on the couch. All right! And tonight, our favorite show is DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3. And I am your host, the Mandator Reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And joining me to talk about the CW Flash spinoff, Legends of Tomorrow, is my good friend and host of Source Material in his own right, the disapproving dad, Jesse Starcher. How do you do, sir? All right, so I go to wrestling this past Saturday, okay? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and we're yeah. in the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> I go to wrestling, and you know as well as I do, Mark Radlich, if you go to wrestling, and you, you're going to get a mixed bag when it comes to the amount of people, uh, not the amount of people, the, the types of people that you're going to see at a wrestling match. Uh, so... We sat way up high in the bleachers, actually a top spot. Me, Caleb, and a friend of mine uh, sat in the top spot of uh, right in the middle, too, hard cam side. So most likely we're going to be on the DVD pretty easily. But that's neither here nor there. The, the crux of this story revolves around the two people that sat in front of my friend. At, at a point before the show started, uh, he, he looked at me and he had told me, to pay attention to this lady that was sitting in front of him. And I said, well, okay. So this lady that's sitting in front of him, she's, you could tell her and her, I I would assume husband, I have no idea, uh, but they were together, clearly. They're on the slow side, all right? Okay. That's, all right. So uh, you could tell that they were, you know, they were there to have a good time, watch some wrestling. uh, But beside them, they had these mountain of snacks, like they went to the they they went to the vendor uh, or or the concession stand had this mountain of snacks and they were just kind of they were going to town cheering on the wrestlers you know whatever and, and and eating their Hershey bars, well, she, the lady in front of him had a bag, of well I guess what I would maybe compare it to is like a combos bag okay, mm-hmm. and and my buddy looks at me he goes no she's not and I said what's going on he goes I'll be right back so he runs off. And he comes back, and at this point, she had opened up the bag, and she's eating it, okay? And I couldn't tell what it was. It was like little round, like, raisinets is the only thing I, I, I maybe, maybe, or sugar daddies. I don't know if you remember sugar daddies, but they're tiny, like, brown uh, caramel things. Mm-hmm. So he comes back. He says, okay, good. They're safe to eat. And I said, what is going on? <laughs> well... Here's what we found out. Uh, the show was brought to you, uh, it's a fundraiser for the Humane Society. And our promoters decided that it would be a good idea to go ahead and hand out 
tiny packets of dog food as a promotion. <laughs> this chick ate a bag of dog food in front of us. <laughs> Did she know she was eating dog food? Oh, you could tell that she thought something was wrong, but it didn't <laughs> stop her from going in for seconds. <laughs> These are the worst snacks ever. Here, have one of these. This is terrible. She, she's like, she. you could tell she had this look on her face. Like, she didn't understand what she was eating. And when my buddy come back, he's like, well, they're safe to eat. But he's, uh, he said that they, they would taste awful. <laughs> I don't know. They weren't that bad, apparently. Uh, so, yes. And then she ate the dog food, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into our show tonight. <laughs> It's a bit of a non sequitur, but sure. Um, all right, so let, let's talk about the CW for a second. It, it started with Arrow, which was basically the CW trying to do a Batman show um, without Batman. They, they, they gave a lot of Batman's personality to Oliver Queen. Um, they've given a lot of Batman's villains to Oliver Queen. Um, Arrow gave rise to The Flash. Now, I, I just want to kind of tackle these one by one. So, you know, Arrow is this sort of gritty uh, vigilante story. You know, here here's the guy whose mission initially is to avenge his father and take out the, the fat cats that have uh, failed that have failed that city. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, I've never watched a single episode and I know that. <laughs> yes, the very <laughs> famous line from the show, repeated ad nauseum. Um, the Flash took things in a slightly different, uh, slightly different direction. The Flash became a little bit more science fiction, um, a little bit more melodramatic in some ways. A light, it definitely had a lighter tone to it, and some of that was done purposefully. Uh, you know, they, they've discussed, they've described Star City versus whatever cities flashes in um, as being just very central two, central city as being two very distinct cities one central city having more money and more uh, science companies than uh, than Star City does both of those both Arrow and Flash gave rise to the show we're going to talk about tonight which is Legends of Tomorrow and Legends of Tomorrow was sort of an amalgamation of side characters rogues Etc. that came out of both Arrow and The Flash. Um, the first season, you have... Uh, I'm going to pull up a cast list real quick. Um, the first season, you had uh, the original Black Canary. Give me one second here. Uh, da, 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 da. Here we go. Cast and characters. Ah, that makes this a lot easier. So, <laughs> Thank you, Internet. <laughs> so you have uh, Martin Stein, Dr. Stein, who is one half of Firestorm, and he came out of The Flash. Uh, mm -hmm. You have Brandon Ruth, who was the Atom, Ray Palmer. He came out of Arrow. Um, Arthur Darville is Rip Hunter. He was a brand new character that they introduced for the show, if I, if I remember correctly. You have Sarah Lance, who is the White Canary, who was the original Black Canary, and she came out of Arrow. Um... I believe Jefferson, uh, Jax, Jackson, the other the other half of Firestorm, he came out of the Flash. Uh, Sierra Renee, who played Hawkgirl, and um, 
Falk Henschel, who plays Carter Hall, who is Hawkman. I want to say both of them also debuted in The Flash. Yeah, yeah at one I, I... I, I think the I think Hawkwoman did for sure. Yeah, well, at one point, like uh, I think Vibe um, Cisco like was trying to date Hawkgirl before she knew she was Hawkgirl. Yep. Um, Gideon is a is, is the new character. Um, she's the voice of the AI on the show, and then you have uh, Flash Rogues. Uh, Dominic Purcell is McRory, who is Heat Wave, which basically just fires a flamethrower people. You have the you have Wentworth Miller, who is Leonard Snart, who is Captain Cold, and that's an, again another Flash villain. Um, and that's it, I think, for the first uh, the first season. Second season, they got rid of the Hawk people, who were not particularly great to begin with. They also got rid of Captain Cold. They killed him off in the first season, uh, and they replaced both of those characters with. Uh, Amaya uh, Jue, who is played by Maisie Richardson Sellers, and she's Vixen, and she came out of the Justice Society of America, that whole storyline. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, they, and then they brought on Steel, who is Nathaniel Haywood, played by Nick Zano, and he's basically, he's the historical exposition giver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's the grandson of Commander Steel, who was also the Justice Society of America. This third season... They um, they got rid of Firestorm about midway through when they killed uh, Victor Garber, and that was during the the Crisis on Earth X storyline. Mm-hmm. They replaced they basically replaced that character with Kid Flash, who is uh, Wally West, Keenan Lonsdale, who came out of again came out of the Flash, and then they brought in an entirely new character who we'll talk about. Uh, in about the third episode, and that's Tala Esh as Zari Andriana Tomas, otherwise known as Isis in the DC universe. So, um, they also, uh, th- there's also uh, some appearances by Jonah Hex, as there was in, I believe, the second season, and John Constantine, who I believe is a series regular now in the fourth season, he shows up this season because they're dealing with demons. Um, Alright, so... That's kind of the short cast history of the show. And I'll tell you, uh, just to kind of give a little bit more historical perspective, this show was kind of a slow start for me. Number one, there's no comic book that this, to my knowledge, that this is really based on. They literally just it se- seemingly took characters from these other shows and decided, well, let's do something with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and created the show around that. Yeah, I was excited when I first heard of the concept of Legends of Tomorrow, and I think you would easily know why. That's because time travel. Uh, As soon as I found out that we're going to be introducing Rip Hunter, which is a character I think that's been around the DC Universe for a while, uh, I can tell you that I don't think I've read any Rip Hunter stories, at least not that I can recall off the top of my head. uh, And to learn that he was a, a time traveler... And he was going to put together this team of people that were on some of these other CW shows. I was like, man, this is actually going to be a great concept. I, I can't wait to watch it. 
Uh, so you said it was a slow start for you. Me, I was hooked before, as soon as they said time travel. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'm finishing this one out. Uh, so I've been, you know, I've been listening this, or I've been watching this whole time ever since the first episode. Uh, I was very slow to come to the show. I actually didn't watch it in its initial run. Uh, I caught the first season on Netflix, and I wa- and it was kind of a lark. It was I was home one day. I think Melissa was out with the kids. I was like home by myself. I had nothing to do, and I'm flipping through Netflix. I'm like, well, let me just give one episode of this a try. And this is this. And in the, in the first season, they're really establishing things, and the main villain is Vandal Savage, who is the you know the timeless uh, <laughs> assassin, essentially uh, dictator. And the whole thing is. Rep Hunter getting together this team of misfits to stop him from destro- you know, from taking over the future and killing Rip's family. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, there there is they succeed and they and they fail at the same time, and that's sort of the the mark of the show. <laughs> it's, it's you know they they they, they batten about five hundred. Um, yeah, but it, I, like I said in the beginning, I was like, yeah, this is all right. You know, I'm not really into this, but I. I I have nothing else to do, so I'll watch it. And about halfway through, I got really hooked. And then, you know, and then I, I, I wanted to say I blitzed through like the end of it. Like I became obsessed with the show about midway through it. Uh, the second season, when they started with the Justice Society of America, and that led into the Legion of Doom storyline, which was uh, Reverse Flash, uh, Captain a, a Captain Cold that was taken out of the timeline before he died, and. Yep. Um, Damien Dark and uh, Malcolm Merlin, both of which showed up in Arrow initially, and they were trying to get the Spear of Destiny, which is the spear that pierced uh, Christ, I believe, on the cross, uh, if I remember correctly. And, you know, and, and and the whole reason Reverse Flash wants it is because he's being chased by death, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I remember correctly, something along those lines. He was uh, going to die. Uh, and so he needed the Spear of Destiny to, to fix his uh, situation. Um, they, of course, got rid of the Spear of Destiny. The reverse Flash died. Duh, I believe that version of Captain Cold went back to his own timeline, and Malcolm Merlin eventually dies on Arrow. Um, and then, uh, and that, that final episode, I think we watched the team that we've been watching. It's either that final episode or the episode before. Uh, that The team that we've been watching all the way up, to that point, actually died, uh, and then then they go back in time, yeah, uh, in order to stop themselves from dying, or somebody had to phase out. But anyway, yeah. So uh, I loved that. Oh man, that was a that was a great twist on that story to actually watch that whole team go down mm-hmm. uh, the way that it did. But go it was, ahead. It was very Back to the Future. You know the the whole concept of you don't go back to an event that you were a part of. Um, you you don't want to meet yourself. You'll break time. That sort of thing. Um, which, you know, depending on... It's really funny, because I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the, the the first Star Trek reboot, where uh, old Spock meets young Spock, and they've convinced... Oh, yeah. they, and, the, and they convince, you know, Kirk that if they meet each other, time will just unravel, and they're like, you know, they're actually just fucking with them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, you know, um, I mean, time travel, as we know, it doesn't is not a real thing and cannot exist. Uh, so you have all of these different iterations of time travel where, yes, if you meet yourself, thing, bad things will happen, you know, if you, it, or it doesn't matter. And, you know, it's whatever the author wants to do with it. It's a lot of fun. Um, so in this iteration, 
they they you know they are a part of the event where they all died, and they eventually stop the Legion of Doom, but that causes uh, anachronisms. They cause yeah. time to break, and that brings us to season three. Let me stop there. What did you think of to, to this point? Now I know getting into it, all someone had to say was time travel, and your pants were off. You were ready to go. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> um, did you? What did you think of the cast that they cobbled together to create this team? Um, what did you think of seasons one and two? What did you like? What didn't you like? What were your good, bad, and uglies? Why don't you kind of give me a, uh, a summation, as I've just done, of your first two, the first two seasons, your experience with them? Okay, I'll do my best here. It's been a while since I've seen the season, so I'd be recalling as much as I can off the top of my head. I can tell you definitely, when it comes to the cast, uh, I, you know... It, it took me a while to kind of warm up to Sarah Lance. I'm I'm still kind of you know on the on the fence, but uh, Rory, oh my gosh, how, I don't know how quick I fell in love with the, <laughs> that character. Uh, and as funny as he is, and especially when him and Snart were together, that was that was extremely fun to watch in the first season. Uh, the ending of the first season, I remember it was very much snart sacrificing himself in order for them to uh, you know in order to save the team and i thought that was a perfectly you know that was that, that was a good ending to that season uh firestorm was always interesting to me a young kid this is a character i didn't know much about but a young kid and an, and an old scientist i wondered how long uh you know these two could coexist and I, I thought that was an interesting pairing ray palmer of course uh the adam he is you know a, a, who previously played superman i'm sure a lot of people out there already know that uh but it's it's funny because they they make those nods throughout the season to uh, it, it almost seems like they got as as they got their feet under them dc's legends of tomorrow kind of felt more comfortable making uh you know making references to things that almost it almost like oh my goodness i can't believe they're bringing that up <laughs> that is something that i love in in a show i love when they can they can reference dude there's probably been four times this season alone that i remember them making marvel references on a DC show, uh, there was a Spider-Man reference and an Incredible Hulk reference, but then they've also they've also made nods to Brandon Ruth playing Superman before, uh, and, and I think it was something along the lines of uh, during the crossover at some point he's like, "Oh yeah, I should meet your cousin" when he was talking to Supergirl. Right. Uh, so you know, there's all those great things that 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 they did as they they came up through. So each, I remember the the cliffhanger, if I remember correctly, at the end of the first season was was it the first season or second season where they met the justice society uh, i think it was they meet the, the first justice season. society they meet the justice society in the second season okay well i was extremely ecstatic about that unfortunately we didn't get i thought that was going to be uh, more involved and we we got a character from the justice society but we didn't you know it didn't feel like it was much it was kind of like much ado about nothing in my opinion hmm. uh but uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, really, I, you know, as, as we picked up Steel in in the uh, you said in the second season as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I I don't know. He's he's like he's like the bro 
All right. <laughs> That's probably the best way that I could put him. And I, I, I think the team gels together greatly. I love how Sarah Lance has to, you know, struggle with the fact that she becomes a leader after Rip Hunter pretty much disappears. Then we got the time bureau involved. I think that's what they're called. Um, you know, there, there's all this stuff that comes together, uh, that makes it a good show in my opinion. And of course you have these great sci-fi elements and they use, they have a very unrestricted, uh, I would say laws when it comes to time travel. A lot of times you don't see, this is a show that's based on time travel, but a lot of times you don't see, uh, them, you don't see a show kind of play with time travel the way that DC's legends does. Uh, they will go into something and I, I believe one of the quotes is, you know, we, we, uh, well, never mind. I, I can't even remember the quote. But they basically they go into it, they fix things, but they screw things up along the way. Right. Uh, so you know that's that's just the way it is, and they have a good time doing it too. This is not as I, from what I've heard, because I have I, again I haven't watched Arrow, but it seems like Arrow. Everybody that I hear talk about Arrow, it sounds like Arrow is a very serious show. Yes. And this it is, is not very melodramatic. <laughs> This is not, and I think that's why I like it so much. And really, when it comes to the the rating the CW shows, this is my favorite, just because I mean, Flash has dealt with time travel as well. It's got those great elements in it, but I really do like DC's Legends of Tomorrow because it there's there's more things that check the box for me when it comes to time travel, when it comes to how the characters interact, the humor. Uh, I, I, you know, it's a it's a fun show. That's that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I want to piggyback on that because it. First of all, it, it season three of the show is really coming to its own. I mean, I think season two was a lot more fun and, and there was a lot more personality in the show than there was in season one. I as much as I I was interested in season one and I wanted to see what was going to happen. I didn't particular. I wasn't as interested in the, in their sort of singular chase after Vandal Savage. Um, yeah. I liked how they dealt with it with you know with the three different Vandal Savages throughout time, and the team had to split up into different areas and kind of kill them all at the same time. But you know the problem was that the cast wasn't nearly as fun either. I didn't particularly enjoy Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Um, oh yeah, they were they were almost like one note flat. Yeah. Uh, Characters, but not for nothing. But I again, I don't think any of the other characters are really coming to their own either. I thought they, I thought everybody was kind of one note. Um, as as the season progressed, I started, to, I started to like them a little more. It's season two where everything starts to gel. I think once they, once you removed Rip out of the uh, out of, out of the leader spot, um, and he's sort of in and out of things. Uh, you know, and you have Sarah Lance as the leader, um, and they and the and they add the addition of Vixen and Steel to it. Um, I think it got a lot better. And then this season, with uh, with Stein gone and Jackson, you know, and they replace him with Wally West. I really think this is like the the best the team has looked so far. I'm really excited. This is the first time, like, going... Like, at the end of Season 2, going into Season 3, I was really interested to see what was going to happen because they left you with a cliffhanger of they had broken time. And yeah, I thought, when, like, dinosaurs were running around and, yeah. and in the city or something, yeah. So, but um, I wanted to... What I really wanted to piggyback on was this show is tons of fun. 
this isn't nearly as melodramatic as either Arrow or Flash. And they both hello mel- handle melodrama differently. You know, um, Arrow is this is again is a very, as you said, a very very serious show. There's it's it, there's very little humor in it. You know, it's every you know every episode Stephen Amell is just struggling with his soul. And then you have the Flash, which is lighter in tone, but even still, I mean, I just watched you know this 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 the newest episode tonight as the, as we're recording this. You know, and he's depressed about what's happened. There's been a lot of death on that show. <laughs> you know, he's lost everybody. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a wonder he hasn't killed himself yet. I mean, this is not the happy-go-lucky Flash I know from the comics, or at least from the Super Friends cartoons. Um, <laughs> not even close. But, uh, yeah, this is a show that's not afraid to have fun with its cast, and it's not nearly as melodramatic as the rest of the CW shows. And I know that's kind of their mark. These are nighttime soap operas with superheroes, and I get that. But this is this just swings the pendulum the other way into the almost strictly sci-fi comedy realm. And I think that's why it became my favorite show this season. And that's why I wanted to talk about it, because it... Because I think of all the shows that I watched from uh, August till now, Legends of Tomorrow quickly became like my favorite show to watch every week. It was must-see TV for me. Uh, it was appointment television. So I'm really ex- <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk about this tonight. We're gonna go. Um, I do want to look at it kind of episode by episode, just because there's a lot that happens in these episodes in terms of how they handle. Uh, time, uh, and I think that's all worth talking about. So I have the wiki up in front of me. We're going to do a little bit of reading tonight because I, I have to refresh myself a little bit. But as I as we said, we left season two and the Legion of Doom, where uh, the team had gone back to uh, World War One or two. I don't remember which one, um, and. They had met themselves, and uh, part of the team had died, and everything else. So they they defeated the Legion. They broke the spear, and then um, they and then in doing so, they broke time. And so they show up back in Los Angeles, and there's these there's tons of time anachronisms all over the place. There's dinosaurs. There's you know there's peop- there's historical figures throughout time scattered in places they should not be. And so, uh, plot synopsis goes like this. In the altered Los Angeles, the legends encounter Rip, who reveals that he created the Time Bureau to replace the Time Master's Council. Uh, Bureau agents fix the anachronisms, and Rip dis- disbands the legends. Six months later, the legends are living normal lives, nostalgic for their previous adventures. In Aruba, Mick, <laughs> Mick captures Julius Caesar and informs Sarah, who takes Ray and Nate on a quest to prove their worth to the Bureau. After the, delivering the wrong man and being dismissed by Rip, the legends, joined by Jackson and reluctant Stein, steal the Wave Rider and capture the real Caesar. When Rip demands they deliver Caesar to the Bureau and let the Bureau fix the anachronism, the legends choose to return Caesar to 49 BC themselves. During the return, Caesar steals Nate's history book and uses his knowledge to conquer the world. The Bureau arrives and seizes control of the operation. During an, ex- an excursion to retrieve the book, Agent Sharp is captured, forcing Rip to allow the Legends to fix the anachronism. Later, Rip tells Sharp that the Legends could be useful in neutralizing Malice. 
And in 1942, Zambezi, Amaya with significantly improved powers, attacks a group of poachers. So the thing that I remember about this episode that stood out to me was Mick uh, in, in his various venereal diseases in Aruba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, of course, have TV time pulled up here and most of the great memes on TV time are all Mick related and him taking shots at Caesar uh, such as your salad sucks and uh, <laughs> uh, things uh, let, let's see I knocked off one of your casinos in Vegas <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I mean again this is this is a great way to kind of start show you okay well we've got we've got problems folks we've got uh, I love how they have the map and like all those blinking dots on it, right? Uh, and it's, you know that okay, well, shit, they've got their work cut out for them. Each one of these is going to be, you know, if you're playing a video game and you see that in front of you, you've got you've got a few missions to do. Uh, so, you know, that was that was a great way to kind of start it off, uh, and and to get Julius Caesar and fix one of these anachronisms. Uh, it's a perfectly fine episode, in my opinion. Yep, it was a very fun way to start it off. Um... I, uh, I I kind of enjoy you know they the we knew what the long game was right from the start that they they, they talked about this malice they didn't give to us too many details they just said there's this there's this entity out there there's malice and you know um, they're not entirely sure how to deal with them as far as the, the bureau goes you know, that maybe maybe the legends in their you know unorthodoxy would be useful uh, that led up to episode two which is freak show um, and we have a flashback. Six months ago, Amaya learned of Mari's vigilantism and suddenly left Nate. In the present, the legends head to a petty anachronism. In 1870, Wisconsin, they, when they come across a circus fronted by P.T. Bonham. Oh, boy. Who has captured an extinct saber-toothed tiger. Oh, this is fantastic. I love this episode. Ray's shrinking device malfunctions, leading to the enlargement and escape of the saber-tooth. Sarah visits Amaya and convinces her to return, much to Nate's displeasure. While Nate, Ray, and Jack visited in, Amaya and Sarah shrink and capture the saber-tooth. Intoxicated due to his depression over his relationship with Amaya, Nate tells Barnum about their powers. Intending to use them for his shows, Barnum captures Ray and Jack, while Nate informs the legends. Amaya tells him that she had to leave 2017 in order to preserve Mari's existence. While Sarah engages with Sharp on the Wave Rider, the legends attack the show and rescue their teammates. Removing the anachronism, Nate reconciles with Amaya, who tells the legends she has begun to lose control of her animal powers, resulting in psychopathic behavior. Sarah tells the legends about the malice threat, which they do not take seriously considering their previous accomplishments. A follower of malice summons Kawasa, which is Mary's sister. So, um, not a whole lot happening in this episode. Uh, it was, you know, it was definitely... Well, I mean, they were very much embedded in the time that they went to complete the mission. And there's a lot of... You know, I like the idea of, hey, let, let's let start easy. We'll do a really simple anachronism. And it goes from, like, a level 3 to a level 9 almost instantaneously with them screwing things up. <laughs> yeah. And there... I mean, I was... There were so many times where... I, it was hard for me to grasp P.T. Barnum has captured these two superheroes. He's captured them. And I, I couldn't... Maybe it's just my mind fogging up, but I couldn't remember why Steel just couldn't turn uh, or if he was just holding himself back. I, I, I didn't understand that part of it. Yeah, um, that's, the, that's kind of my one complaint about the show, which is kind of why I'm glad they got rid of Firestorm. 
Because, in all honesty, Firestorm should have been able to solve most of their problems. Yes. I mean, he's an incredibly powerful superhero. And they did. They really underpowered him throughout the show to the point where I don't know why they had him in the first place. So I'm, yeah, I'm I glad mean, they, they eventually replaced him with Wally West. They played with his powers at one point where I think he was like tr- able to transmutate objects into something. But they, I think they only did that like one episode. Right. It wasn't this season. It was I think it was a previous season. I was like, uh, this dude's going to be a you know he he's going to be a heavy hitter. And nope, just like you said, they probably wrote him off because most likely he would have been too powerful of a character. Well, not only uh, that, so. but I mean, this is a, this is a CW TV show. Special effects, probably not high on the list. And you know, as, we, <laughs> as we, when we talk about the finale, I'm going to remind me to bring that up once again, that special effects, gosh, they try. <laughs> They're not good. <laughs> oh man. But I overlook uh, so- it because it's such a good show. Yeah. Second episode. Also two, uh, two, Former actors from the movie Titanic in that in there. Uh, we have the captain, uh, or no, was it the captain? The captain, which was played by uh, Martin Stein's character. I can't remember his name. Uh, or the, the guy who, thank you. And then Billy Zane. Oh, yeah. P.T. Barnum. So there you go. Right. Uh, so episode three, we meet our new cast member. This is Isis in the DC universe. She never actually goes by that name, though. She, she, she will forever be known as Zari. Uh, mm-hmm. In Seattle 2042, the Time Bureau agent Gary discovers hydrokinetic assassin Kuwasa uh, pursuing Zari, a hacktivist, and send a distress signal. The legends receive it and find Seattle under martial law imposed by Argus, which is hunting down metahumans. They find Zari, who demands help in rescuing her brother from prison in exchange for finding Kuwasa. Amaya is uncertain about her power, so Stein and Nate seek a solution with Nate synthesizing a Zambezi hallucinogen. She uses it to have a vision with an ancestor who <laughs> advises her. I remember this. <laughs> yeah, they, they do this a couple of times, if I remember correctly. It advises <laughs> her to trust the... Luck. Yeah. While Jax initiates an unplanned prison break, Zari retrieves her brother's amulet, admitting his murder, admitting his murder by Argus, and ditches the team. Ray pursues her to a campsite where her family was to rendezvous. Kawasa attacks the duel while Sharp pursues the Wave Rider in the time stream. The legends arrive, and Amaya, now in control of her powers, defeats Kawasa, who vanishes using a mystical item, and implies she is a descendant of hers. Sharp warns Sarah that if the legends are arrested, they would be banished to the dawn of time. Amaya decides to stay and recruits Zari to the team. In 1988, a young Ray encounters an unknown creature. So we have our lead into the next episode. Um, yeah, this one, this whole episode was about getting Zari onto the team and you know, and creating a new uh, team member, somebody who eventually will replace Jax as the resident grease monkey on the show. Wasn't she reluctant to kind of join? Yeah, she's not into it in the beginning. You know, yeah, she... that's, that's what I remember. Um, but they, but since this entire season revolves around the totems, one worn by Vixen, now this one won by Zari, and they'll retrieve more totems as the as the show goes on. Um, you know, the, the, she was sort of an essential character to the plot, and you know, I, I tell you, in the beginning, again, I one of the things I like about these shows is that they really dig into the archives of DC characters and pull up some real oddballs because you know they can't use any of the the major ones. 
right? Mm-hmm. They can't use any of like the real main Justice League characters, so they kind of dig into DC. Like I always love to to go on the wiki and click the links to see like who the hell are these people for real, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But they get around that not using the whole main characters because almost just like I said, a reference is just fine with me. Uh, one of these episodes that we're going to come up on is a great representation of a perfect reference to uh, a, a main Justice leader without even her having to appear. Uh, so I think that's coming up here in a, an episode or two. So we met the Dominators uh, in last year's oh, yeah. season crossover. Yes, um, indeed. And we're back with the Dominators again. We have Baby Ray who finds a Dominator, uh, and this is sort of their ode to E.T., which, by the way, with um, one of the one of the things that I like about having Nate on the team, other than he he his, his the actor that plays him does a really great job of doing uh, historical exposition. And mm-hmm. when we get to the Elvis episode, oh boy, that's when I took my pants off. Um, <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he what I, I, I know you like referred to him as a bro, but I'll tell you. I wasn't a huge fan of Ray. I thought he was too much of a milksop. Oh yeah. Um, in the beginning, his interactions with Nate as they like geek out over things, and it, it had started in the second season with them geeking out over uh, George Lucas, and then you know the Spear of Destiny and everything, and like oh, it's to Indiana Jones and stuff like that. This yep. season, there was a lot of that too, where they play off each other really, really well. And so this whole episode was a love letter to E.T., which I thought was great. But uh, Ray's dead, and <laughs> they have to go out and figure out why he died. Uh, <laughs> just, I, I remember as we go on, I don't know if this is going to pop up in the synopsis, but continue. Um, Ray suddenly disappears in the Wave Rider with Gideon revealing that he died around the Halloween of 1988. The legends travel to 88 where Ray reappears and finds his younger self has adopted a baby Dominator. Eventually, government agents take the baby Dominator, leading Ray, young Ray, and Zari to break in to rescue it. While Sarah, Nate, and Amaya discover the Dominator's mother has returned to retrieve her child, the baby uses mind control to distract the agents, and the legends get it back to its mother, who leaves in peace. I believe Nate nearly has sex with the mother. Yes! As if I remember correctly. Yes. It is yes. hot stuff, he's, baby. <laughs> he's he's trying... Well, he's on the couch, and he's laying down, and it turns mm-hmm. out it's a Dominator... That I think is impersonating Ray's mom, right? Uh, and but, but yeah, you know he's trying to put the move on Ray's mom. <laughs> Freaking hilarious, dude! Yeah, I think a, even a DeLorean, I think even shows up in this episode if I remember right. Uh, they're like walking past the driveway, and right. he like stops at a DeLorean. Uh, I, I, dude, the whole camaraderie between Ray and uh, his name's Nick. I, I keep wanting to call him Steel. Can't remember his uh, actual name. Is it Nick? Nate. 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 Ray and Nate. Ray and Nate. Yeah, the whole camaraderie between those two that, that does uh, put a smile on my face every time I see it. Uh, yeah. I mean, they they they're a fun team to watch, and the whole milksop thing. I, I won't deny that, but I'll tell you right now, Ray is probably my favorite character in this season and we'll I'll kind of maybe touch on that as we get into the later episodes but uh, I love this one dude I'm a huge fan of the movie ET I don't know if I mean a lot of people are 
But uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is hey, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Have you ever shown your kids E.T.? Uh, I think it, – dude, it's been a while. It's been a very long time. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I'm always afraid that they're going to end up like me, you know, bawling my eyes out uh, <laughs> as, as E.T. <laughs> I'll be right here. Oh no, stop anything. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want. Man, I can remember one of the first. My first memories was coming home from the theater uh, after watching ET with my mom, and I was crying because ET left. Uh, I remember that, uh, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to. I don't want to make my kids cry. Come on now. Oh. What kind of a father would I be? I can't wait to make my kids cry. <laughs> I mean, last thing I want him to do is just feel genuine sadness. Now, the sadness for uh, if you're me yelling at them, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Oh no, I, I I'm hoping I'm hoping one of my children has the exact same reaction I do to the end of Return of the King, just ugly crying. Uh, I've told you about I told you about yes, Coke. I've heard that. I've told you about Coco, where you know both both me and my daughter went completely to pieces. Oh. Dude, I we just went and saw Miracle Season, mm-hmm. and I don't cry very often from my kids. I don't cry very often at all. I mean, we're men. Come on now. Uh, but uh, we went and saw Miracle Season, which is about the, uh, a volleyball uh, season that was based off a, a true story in 2011. Regardless, it is probably one of the saddest movies I've seen in a very, very long time. And I was crying in the theater and my poor daughter sitting there beside me, and I'm like, you know, either I don't know if I'm embarrassing her or whatever, but I just don't move. And tears are streaming down my face. I don't want to sniffle because I don't want her to think <laughs> I don't want her to look over and see her dad just a complete wreck. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's we both cried that day. That was Saturday. <laughs> so we're we're four episodes into oh the, the other narrative piece with this is that um, Stein is anxious to be present for the birth of his grandchild. And help and help with it, borrowing the Wave Rider. Later, Jax asks Ray to help figure out a way to split Firestorm so that Stein may have a normal life. So they're setting up for Garber to, to leave the show, which, you know, I had heard about in the news anyway, so I knew this was coming. But I'll tell you, so we're four episodes into this season, and they and we're still just dealing with anachronisms. And mm-hmm. there's no... Nothing is really cohesive just yet. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I wonder where we're going here. Now, the, I'm not complaining. Because, again, it was, it was so early on in the season, you know, I was like, okay, it was just, just let them take you for a ride. And I mention all that because it's the next episode where things really start to get cooking. And you, get a, and you start to get a sense of what's going to happen here. And I remember my reaction to it being, oh, no, not again. <laughs> As with you and a lot of other people. <laughs> now I'm. I, ultimately, I like what they did with the Damien Dark character. That's of course who I'm referring to. But boy, getting there was a roller coaster of emotions for me. So mm-hmm. let's talk about Return of the Mac, which of course is Damien Dark. Uh, Nate discovers a pattern to the anachronisms with two outliers: Kawasa's attack and the other being a suspected vampire attack in Victorian London. The legends arrive and meet up with Rip, who is investigating a conspiracy involving Malice, an ancient archenemy of the Time Masters. He believes that the outlying anachronisms are examples of <coughs> excuse me, Malice's work. They discover Dark's body, which apparently fell through a temporal rift in to this time period. And Zari encounters a follower of Malice called Madame Eleanor, 
who turns out to be Dark's daughter, who steals her amulet working with a Victorian occult society, which includes Stein's ancestor, Sir Henry Stein, among its members. Rip traps the legends aboard the Wave Rider to protect them before attending Dark's resurrection, which Eleanor achieves using the amulet. The legends arrive and engage Dark and Eleanor, who escape eventually. Sarah reports Rip to the Time Bureau, who promptly arrest him, re-legitimizing the legends in exchange. Rip warns Sarah about Malice's importance. Meanwhile, Jax has Ray attempt to, to sever his psychic connection with Stein as a precursor to breaking their physical link as Firestorm, but suffers the side effect of short-term memory loss. Stein finds out and eventually decides to help them. All right, so... This is uh, this is how they set up the return of Damien Dark, who, in the absence of malice, because the whole this whole season is essentially uh, a big lead up to them letting malice out of his time prison. And what we'll find out over the course of the season is that they have to break time enough so that eventually malice can get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, sort of subbing in for malice is Damien Dark as the main villain. And his daughter, uh, I, I guess Eleanor Dark, um, uh, Nora. Yeah, Nora. Nora. There we go. Nora Dark. Uh, the, you know they they are you know the main baddies throughout this thing, and uh, now is as good as any time to bring this up. I fucking hated this initially. I was like, <laughs> oh god, not again with Damien Dark. I mean, what? One season of Arrow, another season of Legends. I was like, I'm just about done with this guy. Oh, oh I'm wow. done with you, this. So you had to suffer three seasons of this guy. I yeah. never, I forgot he was four. on Arrow. Or if you count the, fa- if you count his season of Justified. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just done with this. Okay, I need a break from this actor. Uh, no, he's awesome. I just, you know, like the Damien Dark character. <laughs> You know, I I have to say a couple of things. One, the CW Arrowverse does it, does the best job of integrating a cinematic universe, much better than the actual DC cinematic universe. Um, you know, you talked about the references. They really do great at using the entire world and, and sewing things together and drawing on references from different things. I mean, you know, if you, if you don't watch at least the three core shows, Arrow... Legends and Flash, you really can miss a lot. Um, I mean, Black Lightning, not so much. Black Lightning and Supergirl both exist in other in other timelines. Um, though Supergirl has obviously in, involved herself with uh, these folks as well. But if you don't watch Supergirl and you don't watch Black Lightning, you're not really, in terms of getting the references and, and, and the, the bigger world, you're not really missing much. So with that being said... Um, one of the th- one of the things that drives me nuts about the Damien Dark character is the incessant quipping, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just thinking about about you know the, we're, as we're recording this, the Avengers will debut in two days, uh, oh, no. Infinity War, and if it, it, it's just I'm just afraid it's going to be a quip fest. Ugh. And and again, that's what drove me nuts about Damien Dark because. You know, you know, Ibard Thawne, he didn't quip too much. He, you know, and he was a truly menacing villain. Um, Malcolm Merlin, he was pretty serious. Um, Captain Cold, I mean, he... <laughs> the First of all, the guy playing Captain Cold has has just great charisma. 
I was really sad when that character died in, in the first season, and we got. And yeah. I've come to love Rory, but that's been a long time coming. I mean, like he really came into his own in this season because the first two seasons he was sort of useless, in my opinion. Have you have you ever watched Prison Break? No. Okay. I know they're both uh, on it. Yeah, I was going to say both of them are on it, and they so they, you know, they've worked together for quite a while, and I've I've liked work. I, I liked watching them kind of work together, but yeah. Um, yeah, Snart Snart can make some quips himself every once in a while, uh, but Dark takes it to a different level, and, mm-hmm. and I wonder if like the reason for that is because as we build and get more towards the end of this, they want to pers- they want to try and at least paint him in a uh, not such a darker uh, tone. Pardon the pun, mm-hmm. but uh, you know they they kind of want to give him a lighter lighter bit of fare so that you know it's it's a little bit more believable as we go grace as we get towards the end of this uh, as as we get towards the end of the season. So that's the only explanation and only defense I could have mm-hmm. for what they did with him. Well, but, eventually Damien Dark will become less insufferable, and then by the end of it, I was I really liked what they did with the character, aside from killing him hopefully permanently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, um, but but getting there was quite the chore. Um, mm-hmm. Anything? Uh, I've been talking a lot here. Anything on Return of the Mac before we move on? Return of the Mac. I mean, can you not get behind him laying people out to that song? Though oh, that was I great. Mean- <laughs> I, I like I said, this is I, as far as visuals and having fun with your script and your characters. This is one of the best shows on TV by far. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I will quote here from uh, one of the top comments on TV time where Damian Dark shows up. This guy again, come on. There are a lot of villains in the DC universe and you choose the one we've seen way too many times. I'm sure they realize there are other actors in the world. Give us a new face, please. There were a <laughs> lot, a lot of people that had the same sentiment that, that you did and this guy did. So It didn't bother me as bad. I don't know why. You Maybe it's just because... You didn't see the entire season of Arrow with that he, that's he was probably... the main villain. <laughs> That's probably why. <laughs> That's probably why. Let's stop the show. Go watch it. No, negative. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this next one was absolutely. I'm going to say this a lot. I love this next episode. Helen Hunt. Oh, this is great stuff. Martin, Jackson, Ray attempt to transfer Firestorm to Jax. It fails and causes a body swap. The legends track an anachronism to 1937 Hollywood revealed to be Helen of Troy. While attempting to extract Helen at a party, the team encounter Dark, Eleanor, and Kawasa. Dark tells Sarah that he will spare the Legends' lives if they cease time travel. Meanwhile, Stein meets Hetty Lamar. <laughs> this is good stuff. And the other male Legends start a fight over Helen. The female Legends privately confront Helen. She refuses to return to Troy, citing the misery of men dying over her. Which I can understand. The female Legends eventually obtain Helen... The wave rider breaks down. Lamar's switch, Lamar's switch from actress to operator means she no longer invents FHSS. To fix this, Stein goes to Lamar's workplace, which results in a confrontation with Dark. Amaya and Zari guard the wave rider while the remaining legends assist Stein. Sarah duels with Dark while the remaining legends are beaten by Eleanor. Lamar tells Jackson Stein to merge, which will allow them to return to their bodies. Firestorm defeats Dark and Eleanor. On the ship, Amaya and Helen defeat Kawasa. The three retreat. 
a sympathetic Zari takes Helen to Themyscira instead of Troy. Oh, I'm sure you love that. Oh yeah, buddy. Yeah, uh, that's that is the that's the thing I was mentioning. How they do a good job of referencing a Justice Leaguer without bringing the Justice Leaguer in. Yeah. Uh, and and you're another. It's another example of why Legends of Tomorrow is better than you know these the Arrow show when they're just confined to one city. Uh, it's I, I assume it's rare that they get out and explore the rest of the DC universe. He doesn't end up in Gotham. He doesn't end up, you know, in all these other great places that are in the 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 history of the DC universe. Legends doesn't have those it doesn't have those handcuffs in my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It can go anywhere anytime uh and yeah, loved it, dude. I was like, "Oh shit." So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh I really did enjoy this. I I I too enjoyed the little nod to Wonder Woman. I thought it was a great idea to take, to, you know, as far as using what you have in this universe, I thought it was a great idea. You know, like, where would, where can you take Helen where she, where men won't die? Oh, on an entire island of women, of Amazon women. Ter- perfect. Perfect. Um, so here we have Mick's big episode. Uh, episode seven, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sarah's in a coma. The legends choose to investigate the creature attacks during the Vietnam War. Zari, Ray, and Amaya posing as journalists meet a woman who will show them the creature, which is revealed to be a displaced Gorilla Grodd. Gorilla Grodd, and you just, son of a bitch. Good, good use of Gorilla Grodd here. Meanwhile, Nate and Mick are captured by a squad led by Mick's father, Dick Rory. On the Wave Rider, Stein discusses how to separate Firestorm with Isaac Newton. Jax walks in on their discussion and learns that Firestorm can be separated, but it would depower Jax. The anachronism increases in intensity, revealing Grodd's plan to wipe out humanity by killing President Johnson and starting World War III like you do. Jax, inspired by a powerless Sarah's abilities, saves Johnson from a minefield. After failing to capture Grodd, Amaya uses her powers to negotiate with him, but is thwarted when Dick's squad attacks. Grodd decides to steal the Wave Rider and wipe humanity from the timeline. His attempt fails and seemingly falls to his death. Back at Grodd's compound, Mick stops his father from massacring Grodd's prisoners and comes to peace with his relationship with his father. The team returns to the ship as Sarah emerges from her coma. In 2017, Grodd is approached by Dark. So this was a great episode. Um, this was really this was Mick's episode. This was his time to kind of cross over from... Because even up to this point, I mean... Going all the way to the end of season two, Mick was always still kind of on the fence, kind of a villain that was sort yeah, of tagging I, along for the ride. Mm-hmm. I think they really played with that at the end of that season too, mm-hmm. and where he, where he seemed to flip over. Didn't he flip over to the other side and join along with uh, Snart? On yes, the, he did. Yeah, so you know, you are always kind of on the fence. He always had that attitude like, okay, he could walk off and do just something real shady mm-hmm. uh, at, at any point. And I think with this episode, he sort of crosses over and maybe, you know, I, I think this is where he solidifies his part of the team. You know, he, he, he really gets behind Sarah as a leader. He gets behind the team. He feels like this is where he sort of really throws in his lot with them. But I think personally as a character, he also comes to the realization that he's not a bag of shit. He's not a horrible, terrible human being who, you know, he can do something else with his life other than be a thief, you know, and burn stuff to the ground. Yeah, 
and now correct me if I'm wrong, which I could very well be, but doesn't he burn his own house down? Yes. With his parents in it. Yes. His, fa- his <laughs> father mean, was a drunk. Was... And it, his father was a drunk, and he was abusive. And Mick became obsessed with fire, and eventually he burns his house down. That's what this... gives way to him becoming a criminal. This is heavy shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this episode's pretty heavy when it comes to uh, the seriousness of some of these. I, as light as they wanted to play it, there was a lot of underlying, uh, you know, underlying heaviness to it. So uh, I liked it. I, this mm-hmm. is probably up there in my top five of the season. I don't want to get too into too many details with uh, this is the conclusion to Crisis on Earth X. Um, let's just talk about this in general. I mean, the, the whole plot of this thing is that Earth X is a, is a world run by Nazis, and of course the head Nazis are are the, the Nazi Arrow, Nazi Supergirl. Um, there's uh, uh, I guess there's a Metallo somewhere in there. Um, by this, you know, and then of course the good guys are they introduce the Ray, and then there's Citizen Cold, uh, who mm-hmm. you know, and they are um, they are a couple. Um, as far you know, it was funny when this uh, this will air November twenty eighth. This is around the same time that Justice League came out. Oh wow! Yeah, shove it up your ass, Justice League. Well, that was the rub <laughs> on this. If you, if I don't know if you know that or not, but a lot of the a, a lot of the blogs and everything were saying that Crisis on Earth X was a better Justice League movie than the Justice League movie. I wouldn't doubt it. I, I've still yet to watch the movie. Uh, so, you know, that goes, that kind of, you know, that speaks a lot to somebody who would rather watch a television show with a limited budget. Uh, maybe it's just because I have more investment in the characters. But I don't know. I, I I would rather sit and watch a four-part crossover, which is, that's an epic kind of a deal. They didn't build up those characters in the Justice League movie to make that seem as as important as a, a crossover between two TV shows that have had many hours of building up uh, characters. So, I yeah I, you know I can't say that yeah oh it's definitely better because I haven't seen the Justice League movie, but I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, this is I want to say this is the episode where, uh, where Stein, Stein dies. dies. Yeah, yeah. What did it you, is. What did you think of um, them writing him off the show this way? How did you feel about Stein dying? Because I was, uh, I remember watching this um, and being really, really sad. I, I, I ugly cried when, uh, when this happens. I think a lot of it, a lot of the emotion comes from, you know, Jefferson and his attachment to Stein. Mm-hmm. You know, these are two people that uh, could not be more different <laughs> uh you know jefferson and and stein come from two different walks of life but they have been thrown together uh just by chance and they they have to live with each other and become actually a single person at some point uh so they sh- they tried and tried and tried to fix this problem that they were having and at the end it was you know it was i think stein who sacrificed himself to save uh, I don't know. I can't remember who it was he was saving. I know he gets shot and he ends up dying. And it's from, you know, I think he gets, sh- I don't know if it, I think he gets in front of the bullet, I, I believe. Or he maybe just catches one at the side. I know it's in the middle of a big fray, a big, a big battle. But either way, you know, him passing away and him getting written off the show, 
it, it kind of made me sad for the character Firestorm itself. I hated to see that person leave because I, I kind of liked both of those uh, characters together uh, to make Firestorm. But, you know, it it had some emotional weight. And the good thing is is that they kind of wrapped up a there's, – there's a feeling that closure's not there. And I think it's either in the next episode or the episode after that where – Jefferson gets to find some closure with Stein. Uh, so, yeah, I was very sad because it's, you know, these two were ripped apart and it, it, uh, uh, they they were trying to find a way to stay together. It was it was heartbreaking. Yep. Uh, I really enjoyed Crisis on Earth X. I thought it was a very well-told story. Uh, I, I enjoyed... I en- You know, I, I would agree with the people who said that this was a better Justice League movie, you know, which is really weird because a lot of these are like second and third rate characters. You know, in the overall pantheon. And, and, I mean, and when you look at it, I think the characters, the evil side of things on, on Earth-X, they were pretty much just masked clones of the good guys. We didn't really get to see much of their uh, of their faces. And so mm-hmm. when it comes to budget, uh, you know, when you could throw just a mask on a bad guy mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to worry about them emoting or whatever, it, it still, it, it was still a good piece of storytelling. Yeah, I know they're going to do this again next year. I'll be curious to see if they involve Black Lightning in it. Um, or if they'll just keep to the to the four they've got. But I'll be anxious to see what they what they do, if they adapt an actual storyline. You know, because gosh, they could do Identity Crisis, they could do you know, all, they could do all these great DC storylines. I'll be curious to see if they actually adapt one. Well, I can tell you that it was, it was pretty much the impetus of me getting the CW app because mm. I didn't want to miss I, I had cut the cord here at the house and uh, and we just had internet and I, I, the CW app fulfilled what I wanted to see uh, and they had it all nice and neat and listed right there part one part two part three part four you didn't have to go search in each show it was just listed there for your convenience and I was like okay I'm down I'll, I'll, I'll get the CW app no problem so they did their job yes they did all right this episode, this next episode, episode nine is hilarious. Bebo, the god of war. <laughs> so yes, it is right after this that we run into Professor Stein. Uh, yes, and what's great about this episode is that, and really, what's great about this season is that a lot of stuff gets set up and paid off later on. So here's a setup for something we're gonna that's gonna get paid off at the end of the season. But uh, the team searches down for another acronym. Uh, which turns out to be young Martin Stein buying a tickle me elbow, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Displaced in the time of the Vikings, Martin buying a Bebo cuddly toy as a Hanukkah present for his daughter when he was displaced, causing the Vikings to believe that Bebo is the god of war. Oh, that, I mean, <laughs> I, I just want to be in the writer's room when they were pitching this. I know, dude. <laughs> so great. Uh, Damien Dark shows up worrying Sarah, but the team eventually manages to set time right again. Despite Jax's attempts to tell young Stein of his future self's death, Stein already deduced it, it based on his counterpart's absence. Stein, not wanting to cheat death and aware that he has a wonderful future, decides not to learn the details of his impending death, accepts his fate, and to spend the years he has left dedicated to his loved ones. With the present Stein dead and his firestorm powers gone, Jack chooses to leave the team, but is surprised by them and joins everyone for Christmas. Sarah and Jack's part on good terms, and Jack's departs for Pastures New. 
On returning to the Wave Rider, Sarah is greeted by John Constantine, who claims he needs her and her team's help with a demon who knows her name and is controlling a little girl. Uh, I oh, love this. I love this episode. I loved how they dealt with Bebo. Like when Bebo says, c- clearly, if Bebo says, you know, Bebo needs a hug, that means yes. And if Bebo <laughs> loves you, that means no. It's so good. Um, I love the idea of playing with the whole like tickle me Elmo idea because I, I don't know if you remember how much of a craze that was in its time. Oh yeah, buddy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Good stuff here, and and I and I actually remember being a little sad when I mean. Was Jax my favorite character? No, I mean because again, because I thought I thought Firestorm was really misused, but I was sad when he left the show temporarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his his reunion with the Stein and and the closure there, I think, was one of the more important parts of this uh, of this episode. And <laughs> just going through some of the things here. Do we get uh, does? Does Ava show up here? Um, I don't I think remember. she does. I, I think Ava Ava shows up here as well. And you get those hints that Sarah and her just might find, you know, find something special together. Uh, but that's not before John Constantine finds a little something special as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, what John Constantine wants, he John Constantine gets. Oh man, I like Constantine. By the way, I've never watched the actual any of the ep- episodes. My sister was watching that that show before it got canceled, or and um, you know, I I like this guy portraying Constantine. I, I think that was a a fun way to throw us and get us excited. This was before the split, right? Before they took off till February. Uh, yes, Bebo, the God of War, is the mid season finale. Oh well. Well, surely enough, Bebo won't show up again, will he? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be goofy. <laughs> All right, so yes, we, we, we break for uh, Christmas and the New Year, and we pick up again February 12th um, after a brief um, couple of episodes of Supergirl. Um, this is where they did the thing where Supergirl took a break, and then this took over its time slot because Black Lightning had started, which mm. you can check out our coverage of the Black Lightning comic book, on the Source Material Podcast in the archives of the Rad Religion Broadcasting Network. How do you like that? That was nice. Smooth as butter. Indeed. Daddy Darkest. Darkest. Uh. <laughs> John Constantine explains to the legends about the demon, which Sarah reveals, him, reveals to him is malice. While John insists they leave it to him, Sarah proclaims they are coming as well. The little girl is Damien Dark's daughter, Nora, and is being held in an insane asylum in 2017. And while they try and help Nora, she is possessed by malice and sends the trio uh, of Sarah, John, and Leo to 1969. Okay, so at this point, by the way, uh, folks, Leonard Snart, Leo Snart, Citizen Cold has joined the team for a couple of episodes um, from, you know, stemming out of uh, Crisis on Earth. Crisis. Yeah. Yep. While possessed by malice, and what by the way, what I love about his character is that he becomes like the team's resident psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> he does, doesn't he? <laughs> Which uh, his his appearance on tonight's episode of The Flash did did, did a very similar thing. Which is, I, I I find very very fascinating that that's what they're using the character for. Anyway, nice. while possessed by malice, Nora is revealed to have extraordinary abilities, prompting Sarah to once again enter Malice's realm to rescue Nora 
while trapped in 1969, and they try to recreate the symbol that Malice created that sent them through time to successfully return home. Nora is promptly reclaimed by Damien Dark, claiming she will soon be used for his full resurrection. <coughs> with the demon dealt with, Constantine departs from the Wave Rider, think- thanking Sarah for her help. Leonard also departs, thanking Mick for the adventure. Sarah calls up to Ava to compare notes, only to be told by Ava that Rip Hunter has escaped from the Time Bureau. Throughout the episode, Amaya tries to talk with Kawasa, but Nate intervenes. A fight breaks out, which ends in her escape. Um, here's what I liked about this episode, which this description doesn't really get into, but here's where you start to see the connection between Ray and Nora. Mm, you know, yeah. uh, where it's hard to describe. I mean, there's a love there between Ray and Nora, but I don't know if it's, you know, if he kind of considers, you know, loves her because she's a kid in need and he feels responsible for her. I don't, I never quite got the sense of what was drawing Ray to Nora more so than anybody else on the team, but he's definitely drawn to her and wants to help her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to find out if this is the episode where I think it might be the next one, but yeah, you get that feeling that he is, he's trying to kind of watch over her, help her out. And yeah, they make some, they make some cracks about how uh, he may be a little bit more uh, in, he may be a little bit more interested, Uh, but he, of course, you know, he's Ray Palmer. He's certainly not going to let anybody know that he's smitten, with uh-huh. uh, with uh, with her, but um, I'll be curious to see if they bring her back next season. I I was going to say I think man there is a picture I saw where he I think he's married in real life I believe uh, he is actually married to that actress. Uh, so by the way, I, I mean I I, 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 meant, I meant to mention this before. Now is as good a time as any. The the actress that plays Nora quite the hotsy totsy. I don't mind her at all. Uh, I, I will give you that. She has a to... very unique look to her, um, but I'll tell you, she is hubba hubba. <laughs> Nora I mean, Dark, actress. I'm looking this up just real quick. I mean, Bear she's, with me. she, she's no Adrian Palicki, but no, uh... <laughs> she she certainly is not. Uh, I'm trying to find the actress Courtney Ford. Yes, Courtney Ford is the name. Uh, and she is married to Brandon Ralph, Brandon Ruth, Ruth Ralph in 2007. <laughs> 2007. Well, their, their chemistry comes through the TV. Boy, howdy. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, what was the other thing that I liked about this? This is where <laughs> uh, Constantine and uh, Sarah hook up in this episode. Right. And, and let's see what else. Uh, there is, just like you said, we had Snark going around making Sarah realize hey you, you do understand you're 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 kind of uh you're you kind of got the hots for Ava right and she seems to of course deny it but uh you know he, he can see right through all that sure so or and and that Ava's interested in her as well but uh but yeah and, and, you know here's my biggest i guess my biggest criticism and that is the malice stuff and the whole dark dimension or wherever the hell they're going I was lost. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I just saw yeah. a bunch of smoke, and I saw, you know, we had some lady there. Uh, something to do with the totems. I don't know what the hell is going on. Now, I don't know if that's just because I had a lack of attention and, you know, three kids, well, two kids running around. But 
Hey, when, now, when they go to Malice's realm, that set looks like garbage. <laughs> okay, I mean, I try not to pick on the show because I mean it is the CW um, superhero show, and I understand they has a limited TV budget uh, for special effects or whatever. But I mean, it was like they used up all of their effects dealing with Firestorm. And they're like, okay, well, we need to build this realm for Malice. Okay, how about this high school stage, and we'll just turn the lights off and blow smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like garbage. Uh, well, I, you know, wh- whatever, whatever gets the job done, I guess. Oh, look, a U set of Joseph and the Electric, uh, you know, uh, Technicolor Dream Technicolor coat. Technicolor coat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Terrific. We'll use that set. Wonderful. All right. Um, my favorite White Snake song. Here I go again. Um, oh my! All right. I'm not even gonna read this all we need to know is that zari keeps having this is this is of course the groundhog's day episode now nah, and i'm gonna call it the groundhog day smash up with the next generation's cause and effect how's yeah. that then there nice. you go well done basically <laughs> this is the, this is the episode where zari this is the zari mick episode essentially where where you get to know zari she has to shoulder the whole, pretty much the whole episode by herself, and this is the one where where she realizes that she has to be part of the team, and she can't kind of go half cocked and do her own thing, and she's got to be committed, and you know she sort of discovers her place on the team. I don't need to say anything more than that. I'll tell you <laughs> the one thing I will I will say about this is that this is the first episode where I actually liked her character. And I mm, really yeah. be, began to enjoy her as part of the team. Because up to this well, point, uh, I, I had no use for her. Yeah, one of the criticisms I read over uh, going through some of the reviews was that she just kind of, you know, she kind of stayed steady. You didn't really have a whole lot of, oh, you know, she really con- uh, contributed here. It, it just didn't seem like she stood out among the rest. I wouldn't say that she was as bad of a background character as Wally West, in my opinion. Wally West really didn't seem like... I don't know why, but, man, his character just... Even though he was there, it just didn't seem like he had the gravity like he did on The Flash. Granted, he got a whole bigger... A whole bigger. A whole lot more (laughs) of a cast to work with. Uh, So they probably do that on purpose, you know. But um, she... This episode... Mark Radulich, where do you think it falls? And uh, and 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 if I'm ranking them one to to the bottom, guess what? This one right here is probably number two or number one. <laughs> out of the whole oh, I didn't think it was the worst episode. Um, I didn't think it was the worst episode. It's not the best. It's definitely in the bottom, like three or four. Oh, okay. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll agree to disagree there. My wife hates this this theme, by the way. She hates this shit. She can't stand <laughs> Groundhog Day. So we're sitting there watching it. And she's like, "Oh, geez, this fucking shit again." <laughs> I love it. I'm sitting here and I'm like, "What was the other show that was appointment?" Oh, that's right. It was the um, the Orville, and it, this episode actually reminded me of the one where the um, the security chief is trying to get over her fears. And so there's, like, clowns running around the ship and everything. Uh It was one of those, like, trippy episodes. Um, Yeah. And they kind of use use this, too, to to 
shine a spotlight not only on this character but the other characters as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was useful in that aspect. It mm-hmm. was, but it was it almost felt kind of it was fun and standalone. You know, but I'll tell you what, my favorite part of this is when Nate tells her, if you don't know how to fix the problem, why don't you just have fun? And that was when I, I, I turned, the character for me turned a corner. When you finally got to see her let her hair down and she wasn't, you know, all about just saving her brother, you know, and so she's playing around with like the violin and she, she's just, nothing matters. So she doesn't matter. So she's like eating whipped cream and shit like that. <laughs> One of the memes was where uh, she's standing like in the background with the signs of what's going to happen next, right? And she's just kind of dropping the cue cards as they go. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like they they're not afraid to, t- to to take a few minutes out and really have fun with things. And I like the fact that this character who was so somber and so serious actually like has a sense of humor and does really fun stuff in this episode. That's why it's not it's just not it's not my least favorite. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I All hear. right. Um, let's move on to the Curse of the Earth totem. Uh, the team reviews the list of totems and decides to find the fire totem first. However, Damien Dark retrieves it first, making it a tie where each side has two totems. Sarah goes on a date with Ava. Well, she, God, I remember this now. While she is away, <laughs> the team takes the wave rider to 1700s Bahamas, landing in the Bermuda Triangle. They encounter a pirate crew led by Edward Teach, which includes Dark, who steals Amaya's totem. After learning of the team's trouble, Sarah abandons her date with Ava to help them. The Wave Rider is attacked by cannonballs and boarded by Blackbeard and his crew. Though Ava comes to help Sarah fight them off, most of them, most of the team escapes. However, Ray, racked with guilt, returns in the hopes of making up a wrong he did towards... Yeah, he almost kills Nora. Uh, in exchange for Amaya's totem. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, I remember... <sighs> Gosh, I remember sitting there going, Ray, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? Ray is captured uh, but, by the darks. Wally helps Rip neutralize a time agent and gets Rip's trench coat back from the time bureau. The two get drunk and sing karaoke. Rip tells Wally that it may be a time he went out to seek adventure. All right. So this is this episode is a mixed bag. Um, I, I actually like the fact that that Ray went back for Nora because he's not a killer. And, yeah. and, and at the end of the day, he still sees a girl who is a victim of circumstance abandoned by her father possessed by a demon like you do um you know it's it's one of those things where it's like you're it's not your fault these things happen and he doesn't feel like she deserves to die and i can sympathize with that i i get where he's coming from i really like that now how many how many seasons does ray have to go through before he realize what damien dark is and what's going to happen when he interacts with Damien Dark? I mean, for crying out loud! But don't I, you, don't you think that 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 is an endearing quality of Ray? Absolutely. That's why I think he's my favorite character on mm-hmm. here, because that that's him to a T. Right. That is what he's about. Uh, it, it doesn't make it doesn't make him any less stupid. <laughs> well. I'm just like, man, come on! And we've already talked about Thanos doing this all for a chick. Uh, we, you know, I guess it doesn't translate here on the DC universe, where everything else is the same. <laughs> well, you know, they, love, they, love they, op- the same. they operate under the uh, the spaceballs, you know, philosophy of this is why good will never win because good is dumb. <laughs> All right, this Perfect. is my this next one is my least favorite of the entire season. I fucking hated this episode. What is this? Oh, one? I'm, I, I can't wait. To, oh. Oh yeah, okay. Ugh, this is this is the shits. Um, 
Damien instructs Nora and this is no country for old dads. Um, Damien instructs Nora and a hostage ready to travel back to 1962 Boylin to retrieve information about cold fusion, which can be used to fix the fire totem. Rip brings Wally to the legends and they try to work out their next move. Nora corrupts Amaya's totem and the legends learn that the darks are creating anachronisms to weaken Malice's cage to eventually free him into the world. Damien saves Nora from his younger self and she gains control over the totem. When cornered by Nora, Ray blasts a hole in the Berlin Wall causing another anachronism, allowing the legends to locate him. Wally rescues Ray and takes the fire totem. Director Bennett is murdered by Crod. <laughs> I actually remember that. That was hilarious. Making Ava the senior officer at the Time Bureau, allowing Rip to return to work. Wally intends to go with Rip and Ava, but Sarah convinces him to stay with the Legends, which Rip congratulates him on. Before leaving, Rip instructs Gideon to delete Ava's file, claiming Sarah must never know Ava's secret, which she finds out in two episodes. Um, Malice gains control over Nora behind Damien's back. Ugh, I really fucking hated this episode. I did not care about the time period, did not care about the plot of this episode. Hey, I just, hey, I just... Here, here, hold on. Here... Your abject hate for this probably comes from this exchange. Nora, I'm not enjoying myself. I'm annoyed. Damien, hi, annoyed. I'm dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's there you go. That's some shit I see to my son. I'm bored. <laughs> hi, bored. I'm dad. I'm not bored. My name is not bored. Jody. Okay, George. Not George. He takes offense to you changing his name. Wow. Well, what do you think? I hate this episode. I really do. (laughs) I mean, I loved this entire season. I love this show. It was my, you know, this and the Orville were, like, again, my two favorites. But, yeah, not every season is 100% perfect, and this was garbage. This is probably the only, uh, maybe the only redeeming quality here is there, you know, Furthering that chemistry between Nora and Ray a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know that's that's kind of that's kind of probably about it. Um, you know, there's they do I, I think they leave it on the cliffhanger here where uh, Rip says they cannot Sarah can never know the truth about Ava. Uh, so they they're setting that's kind of the other big thing that happens here. And <laughs> I mean nobody knows what the hell is going on with Ava. What's going on with Ava? What do you mean, Rip? Come on. Right, right. Uh, and there are all sorts of crazy theories, and we'll find out about that. Uh, I, but uh, I, I think my problem with this episode is, you know, like the other one, I enjoy the time, the, the time periods that they've gone to. I mean, we've done Pirates. We've done Hollywood. We've done, uh, you know, Caesar. We've done all these different things. We've done the Vikings. I don't particularly care about this era, I think, is the issue. <laughs> And okay. then it was, and then it was kind of like a like a you know a spy kind of a thing. It had like a spy motif to it, but yep. I don't, I don't know. It's not my thing. It's not my bag. So I think that's why I wasn't really into this episode. And watching Ray get kind of tortured, but have no physical effect on his body, <laughs> it's just I was like, wow, this was really poorly directed. Yeah, it it felt more like they were just shooting for the humor. Because I think it's right here where Damien starts kind of confiding. Does he start confiding a little bit in Ray? As, I think uh, so. A little yeah. bit as to what's going on, and and now how they didn't no no country 
dads, okay. How they didn't just title this one My Two Dads? Come on. You're missing out here. <laughs> All right. My favorite episode of the entire season. I like wrote you as soon as I watched this. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the greatest episode of television I've ever seen. This oh, was yeah. amazing. Now, you have to understand, listeners, and I don't know if there are people who only listen to one of my shows, and I've, I think I've said this before, where you know, where it's like, oh, I'm only a fan of the Metal Hammer of Doom. I don't give a shit what he thinks about television or movies, and vice versa. You know, oh, I only, I actually only tune in because I like Jesse. Mark's a, you know, Mark's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> God only knows what people think. You know, I'm sure this is a selection of people. Just like I only came for the MMA. I have no use for the rest of you. <laughs> what um, is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> but um, you may or may not know if you if you only listen to one of my podcasts that I am a huge music enthusiast. I don't just listen; I love music. I love new, making new musical discoveries. I love talking about music. I love sharing music with people. It makes kind of breaks my heart when I think about a song and I think about a person and I make and I try to play that song for that person and that person doesn't react big enough for me it's kind of which as an aside my i used to make mixes for my wife right and and this is before spotify so the, we're, we're we're in the waning ages of cd mixes here when this is happening okay and, and and you gotta understand i met my wife in 2008 okay it's, yeah 10 gotcha. years 10 years together buddy nice. um yeah so anywho um so before spotify when CD mixes are a thing, I actually made her a couple of mixes. You know, I, I did, of course, that, you know, the gay thing of, uh, you know, here's the story of our relationship in song. Um, <laughs> and I would make her Valentine's Day mixes. And I think she had, like, a particularly shitty day at work. And so I made her, like, you know, here, here, here's a mix for shitty days at work. And she, and she used to like that sort of thing. And then we got a Spotify account. And I'm like, well, this is dumb. So I, I don't do it anymore. Um, but I... There were uh, there were instances since then where I would, you know, send people stuff. I you know I there was for a while there I was uh, me and this girl were texting back and forth, and I was just sending her Spotify links, um, because she was becoming a she would really appreciate being turned on to music she hadn't heard before, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a favorite thing I like to do. And my the, the point of me telling you all of that backstory was my wife made a mention to me. She's like. You know, I real I, I I miss the days when you used to make me mixes and try to turn me on to things. Part of the reason why I stopped was there were a lot of cases, more so than than not, where she doesn't she didn't really like what I was sending her or, or what I was making for her. She wasn't really reacting big enough to um, encourage me to keep doing it. Um, yeah. and, and that and that hurts me. You know what I mean? I I want to share music with people music should be shared it's part of the reason why i do the metal hammer of doom it's because you know and, and granted we tend to do a lot of like you know the more popular bands in the metal category but i do like you know you know for every god smack there's a rum ahoy um That's right and i want to share it with the world i want to say hey look you know there's there's more there are more bands and there are more songs out there than you realize and there, you know and there's there's a, there's something for everybody um so I bring up all that because Amazing Grace, while you know they're dealing with totems, this is where they introduce the death totem and everything, this was all about music. And Nate's monologue explaining the importance of music 
and the rise of rock and roll to um, Amari was like, I, I, I could not have said it better myself. And I wish I had thought to go back and actually get audio of just that monologue. It's, it's, it's so good. And I remember like, like tearing up a little bit because it made me so happy that somebody out there gets it. You know, that's exactly how I feel about music. And when I share music with people, that's what I'm trying to tell them. My wife made it a point, you know, we started talking about, you know, communication and people have different languages of love. You you speak a a language of love, maybe the same as your wife, maybe differently than your wife. Um, We all do. We all have a we all have a different love language. And she real and my wife realized about me that my love language was music. And that's what I got out of this episode. And I was so happy that somebody actually put those thoughts and those feelings that I have about music to words. Mm-hmm. Now you tell it, me that you thought this episode was shit. Go ahead. No, no, no I, I certainly didn't. I I did not I remember when you messaged me and I, I got ready to watch the episode and mm-hmm. I was I could tell that it spoke to you on a very deep level. Uh, I and I respect that. I really do. I I didn't take a whole lot out of it. I, I'm more I was, you know, I was having a good time watching these ghosts uh, come alive and them having a funeral <laughs> for a rat. Uh, so it was it was it was a good time. Um, and it was interesting because this was a you know this was a a story about Elvis you know trying to get that first song out there uh and it was i i forgot he had a twin brother named Jesse of 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 all things um and it was you know it was a fine story i i, I certainly i i can't really say much else to support uh to, to support it other than what you've already have so uh, this did we get to see? We didn't get. We got to see the death totem here. We don't get to see the death totem's effect until the next episode. Well, no, uh, it's the death totem that brings up all the ghosts. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about on a person. I should say uh, we 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 see the death totem affecting uh, the the graveyard and bringing everybody to life. Uh, so, I mean, it was it was perfectly a perfectly fine episode uh you know it kind of furthered them getting the totems getting those things together and and what exactly they do uh it, it, that kind of uh it was good i mean i don't know what else much else to say i i here's the thing i think thematically and i think it's nate's monologues about music that sold me on it because mm-hmm. outside of that i mean it's a fine episode like if like if you like you take nate out of this episode entirely and you just deal with the action of the episode. It's just, it's fine. It's actually not, it's actually sort of one of the more middle episodes. So for me, and so, and so I, I could have that debate with somebody where they're just like, okay, but in terms of how the story was told, it's a middle of the road episode. And that's not untrue. But like I said, it spoke to me on such a level that I, I had to elevate it to the top. I could watch that episode just from them discussing music and its yeah. effect on people and the world a hundred times in a row and not get tired of it. I remember one of the things that you posted either on Facebook or you sent to us. I think it was, I, I, I can't remember, but I do know that you'd said, you know, one of the fantasies that you have is to take music from today's day and age and take it back in time and show somebody, make somebody listen to it. Uh, and that's kind of what they do here. Uh, they, no, what I said to you was 
my I, my fantasy is that I go into the future and I steal music from the future and bring it back to when I was in a band in high school. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get rich. That's what you're planning on doing? Okay. That, yes. Okay, gotcha. I intend to invent Slipknot in 1994. Well, and... Th- that is something that I think of a lot also. You know, I like that time travel aspect of, of like, man, what would I have been, you know, if I could have heard Megadeth's 13 album when Countdown to Extinction came out, what would I have thought? Uh, you know, that would have been something totally new uh, to experience. And they have to take, uh, is it, a, man, I can't remember her name. Is it Amari? Um, uh, are you talking about Amari? This- I'm talking about Vixen. Vixen. Yeah, yeah, Vixen. They have to take Vixen and explain to her the importance of this moment, the importance of what they're about to do. And she has, you know, coming from a person who's never heard rock and roll in her entire life, they have to make her understand, yeah, this is important. I, that's kind of what I dug out of here. Uh, they, And she did, too. I think at the end of it, uh, I believe she's giving Beyonce or somebody a, a try on her iPod or whatever music listening device that somebody had given her. Uh, so she was giving it a shot. Uh, and so I, I agree with you. I see where you're coming from there, Mark Radlich. All right. Um, anything else about this? No, episode? I'm ready. Let's rock and roll. All righty. Okay, faggot. What's next? Um, <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> yes. I, I've only said it a million times. Um, necromancing the stone. Okay, this is where the death totem possesses Sarah. And she yep. nearly kills everybody on the ship. Um, boy, you want to talk about less lesser uh, episodes. See, this <laughs> we started. I thought we started off pretty pretty strong here, and then you know, and then we 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 built up really high, and then fucking walked off a cliff with this episode. Um, <laughs> ugh. All right. So Sarah is enticed to open the box and wear the death totem. Her body once again falling under the control of malice, while her mind is. I mean, look. Let me let me say this about her arc in this season. She had to kind of confront the idea that she is a death dealer. She is a killer. And what that means, and you know, could she? Can she? Can she be two things? Can she be a lover and a killer at the same time? Does she deserve to love? I liked all of that. That's all fine. Sometimes how they handle it though is a little like, oh my god, <laughs> can, can we just get to the? Can we just? Can she just get over this already? Um, and that's kind of how I felt about this episode. Um, anyway. Uh, her mind is trapped in his realm with a vision of Nora. The team try to fight her off, but her new mystical abilities prove too difficult to contain. Upon learning of Sarah's situation, Ava and Gary track down Constantine to try and help. Meanwhile, one by one, the legends try to stop Sarah, but are each taken out, but not killed. Not killed. Firestorm. Leaving Nate, Amaya, and Rory to stop her. While in Malice's domain, Sarah sees visions of what made her the woman she is at the same time as Nora tries to convince her to join Malice Nate tries to get to the earth totem to use it but is confronted by Sarah and defeated learning that Sarah is using the death totem John attempts to enter Malice's realm but Malice blocks him Malice tries to kick to trick John into sacrificing Sarah to save the little girl Astra but John sees through the ruse Amaya convinces Mick to wield the fire totem which is enough to stun Sarah allowing Constantine and Ava to release her from Malice's control feeling that she might hurt Ava Sarah breaks up with her in order to protect her. Like, oh, of course. Like you do. Of course. So my friend and I, years ago, went to go see, uh, gosh, I think it was Goodwill Hunting uh, in the movies. And oh, of you course, like them apples. 
And yes, and um, and of course, there's there's that scene towards the end of the movie where Matt Damon breaks up with Minnie Driver, and I remember both me and my friend thinking Minnie Driver was you know was a nice little piece of ass. And both saying, we love you, Minnie, we'll be with you. Like yelling at the... Th- <laughs> like a couple of idiots yelling at the movie screen. We didn't understand Matt, why Matt Damon was breaking up with her. What an idiot. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, why, how could you hurt Minnie Driver that way? Anyway, um, that's kind of how I felt about this. Like, you know they're just going to get back together again. Why are we doing this? But, uh... Yeah. All right, anything about uh, necromancing the stone? Yeah, like I said, this was where the death totem got a hold of, uh, got a hold of Sarah, and we get to see its effects. Also, the fire totem ends up on uh, Mick, yep. so uh, we, we we get to have a uh, we, we enjoy that. Um, I don't know what else other than you know this was kind of like her having Sarah having to deal with. You know the evil of her past, and then coming to grips with how that could potentially affect her future and her relationship. So, eh, you know, it's we're getting towards the end of the season. Yeah, it felt kind of like filler. It's a good way of getting John Constantine involved, uh, and then we have that tension between Constantine and and Ava as they are uh, kind of making comments. They understand that each one of them have uh, had a relationship with Sarah recently, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. But, uh, all right. Next. So this next one, I Ava. I don't know how I feel about. This oh one. man, we get our answers. What the hell is going on? <laughs> what is up with Ava? Sarah contemplates leaving the team after her breakup with Ava, only to find out from Gary that Ava hasn't been to work in a few days. Sarah Ray and Gary travel to Ava's home only to find that Ava's parents are actors paid to play a constant role. The three travel to 2213, where they find that Ava is actually a clone mass-produced by a conglomerate. The three are apprehended by multiple Ava clones, but are saved by the original Ava. Zari teaches Mick to use the fire totem. Amaya, with a temporary truce with Kawasa, manages to reclaim her totem. But Nate is captured and tortured, and that's in quotes, by Damien Dark. Oh gosh, I think this is another another ridiculous one with Damien Dark and fucking Nate. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> However, it like, is re- he, he like the, you you just hear them kind of fake torturing. Yeah, uh, the fake torturing going on. He's like, no, hit me. You know, pretend to hit me harder. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I gotta come. I gotta come back to that. I gotta talk about that. However, it is revealed that Dark misses how his little girl used to be before Malice. He is later caught by his daughter faking the torture. Amaya, Wally, and Kawasa rescue Nate and confront Nora, but Nora rips the water totem out of Kawasa, killing her. Driven by grief and guilt, Amaya goes back to 1992 Zambezi to change her family's fate. Ava and Sarah realize Rip deleted Ava's file from the bureau and decide to find out why. Okay, did I miss something? I don't understand why there's all these clones of Ava running around. They just head to the future, and that is... Well, here's the thing. I don't know if... I think Ava is a clone. That is the theory. And as to why there's all these clones running around, I think she's just one of the many millions of clones that are that are populating that, you know, that era, I guess. Uh, I would assume that there was one original Ava at one point. And they just said, okay, we're going to clone her, and she's going to become the, you know, the the person 
whatever I, they used her as. I, I guess what I, it was. I guess I never got a really satisfactory explanation as to why in 2246 we need that one clone. And as I have many, no idea. Yeah, it's not there. <laughs> I, I don't understand what's happening in this view, in this future. It's not there. They just give... Uh, the point of it, I guess, is to give Ava, you know, some kind of a uh, an arc or, or some kind of a uh, a, a bit more of a of depth to her character. The fact that she now has to come to grips with that. Oh, oh shit! Maybe I'm not. And this is the sixth day all over again. Am I, I'm not me. Wait a second. Uh, that's um, a, that's a deep Schwarzenegger reference. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, and well, I think they'll they'll reveal at some point um, that she's actually like the thirteenth iteration of Ava to be in the Time Bureau, which is like even. Worse. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they. She. Uh, he just keeps going back and grabbing her. Right. I forgot all about that. I, uh, I just. I think I said I don't know if they're going to deal with this anymore in season four. I know that she got promoted to a season regular. But I don't really understand what the point of all that was. So I, I would know. imagine if they didn't give us the reason, which if we missed it, uh, then we may have. But I don't. I certainly don't remember seeing it in there. That might be something that they come to try and find out. They'll address that later on, like next season or so. Yeah. All right. Um, moving right along, we get to our final two episodes of the season. <laughs> First of all, this has got the best title ever: guest starring John Noble. Oh my uh, gosh! <laughs> their use of John Noble in this was hilarious, <laughs> especially as a Lord of the Rings fan. Oh um, my gosh! So the legend stopped Gorilla Grodd from killing future President Barack Obama, which I thought I thought <laughs> I enjoyed that. This this was fun, dude. Again, this is a perfect example of how fun this show can be. Mm-hmm. Um, preventing another run, man. Barry, oh. run, right. <laughs> <laughs> And further delaying Malice's release. Damien realizes that Nora will be killed when Malice is released from his prison. Oh, I, I have to go back to that. So, so the, my, my biggest issue with Damien Dark is how quippy he is. Oh, yeah. um, but, like, <laughs> this season, and, and, and again, I can say now, by, by the time we got to this point in the season, I'd actually really come to enjoy his character. I like the fact that he had this sort of weird anti-hero arc that um, that he had had his brush with uh, you know evil success and he had had it all taken from him not once but twice he's he'd already died once you know and that he'd had an opportunity to to uh, to have success this time but th- but now he was motivated by doing it for his daughter and he realizes that he's essentially made this deal with the devil and that he's done a bad thing and that this isn't going to work out the way that he wanted it to because essentially Nora's going to die at the end of all this and that this isn't what he wanted in the first place. And I like the fact that they actually gave him some humanity, that he isn't just another sarcastic bad guy like he had been. Yeah, when we get to the final episode, you know, that's... uh, The whole point of this is whether you're going to be cheering for what happens or are you going to be you know saddened are you going to be affected somewhat emotionally uh when the the final gambit's played by damien dark so yeah they really went out of their way to make him likable you know with the berlin episode and then then the one before this with him and nate you know they they want you to when he dies be like oh we were just starting to like him yeah he's a jerk but he's a dad (laughs) (laughs) 
oh, but he's a dad. Um, <laughs> all right. By getting actor John Noble to impersonate the voice of Malice, the team... Tr- the, <laughs> this was dumb and awesome at the same time. The team tricks... That sounds no- like John Noble. <laughs> <laughs> the team tricks Nora onto the Wave Rider and contains her. Uh, Ava asks Rip if he knew that she was a clone. Rip reveals that she is the 12th clone, 12th Ava clone he has recruited because she is such a talented agent. Amaya returns to 1992's Zambezi to change history and secure her family's future. Nate, rather than try to convince her to return, elects to help her instead. Sarah decides to allow this to happen, causing the final anachronism that will free Malice. Having concluded the only way to stop the demon is to release him. <coughs> She gives Damien the death totem, while the rest of the team choose to wield their own individual totems. Damien realizes that Nora is still alive within Malice and releases Grodd to destroy Zambezi, preventing Malice's release. Nate subdues Grodd with the Earth totem. Malice breaks free from his prison, revealing his frightening true form, which looked like hot garbage. Like, I've seen better graphics in a video game. That was straight off of the D&D Edition 2 handbook <laughs> yeah i they they might as well have had like an actor with like you know fake wings just like trying to <laughs> it's just look terrible um <laughs> look i love this show but boy did that suck uh tenacious d you know did a, a better representation than their the uh, yeah anyway <laughs> go ahead <laughs> the, the CGI was so bad in that it rose to the level of parody. Like I thought they, I, I didn't think that that was the real thing. Um, All right, first off, before we get into any other discussion, best you got you got two choices here to pick from: run, Barry, run, or make America grot again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going with make America grot again. <laughs> Of course you are. (laughs) I need a red hat that says Make America Grot Again. (laughs) All right. Uh, And then we get to our season finale, The Good, The Bad, and The Cuddly. Um, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So Malice demands the Legends hand over the six totems, Rip sacrifices. This is where all of our various plot threads and setups all coalesce into one gigantic finale. It's a huge callback fest. Everybody comes back. Everybody, yep. It's a battle royal. Rip sacrifices himself to allow the team to get away. Can we just talk about that for one moment? Rip's death in this was really anticlimactic. Uh, yeah. I. They didn't use him a whole lot throughout the episode, or excuse me, the season. Right. So I, you know, yeah, I love Rip Hunter, but... You know, make me a little bit more emotionally invested in this guy getting killed. I really didn't feel much when he just grabbed the thing, ran out there, and you know, all the whatever it was, the time thing. I can't even remember what it was called. Was you know, it was going to kill him, and he was going to use it against uh, Malice to try and save the, give the team some extra time or something like that. But yeah, man, it was there wasn't much there. Yeah, I, I mean, for a character that's been such a large part of the show for three seasons, I was like, wow, they like had a whole funeral for a friend with with Victor Stein. <laughs> they had a funeral for a rat. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly did, Ollie. For Axel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so Rip dies in a really anticlimactic way. Uh, an army of Romans, Vikings, and pirates, call back, soon arrives, threatening to destroy the town unless the legends surrender the totems. Rain, Damien traveled to when Malice was released from Nora. 
Damien frees Nora from Malice's hold, causing Malice to possess and kill Damien in order to be released. Hopefully that's the last we see of Quippy McGee. Back to the Old West, uh, the Legends ally with Jonah Hex. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was adorable that Zara had a th- Zari had a thing for Jonah Hex in this uh, episode. <laughs> Along with uh, Helen of Troy, Jax, Nora, and the alternate Kawasa. The team saves the town from the army. Mal- okay, so I thought like the whole fighting of the army was really dumb and really poorly done. You know, like as much as I liked the episode and I liked the show, I just thought the fighting looked really forced. Yeah, I. There's been better sequences yeah. in uh, a lot of these episodes, so I agree. Like their whole plan, it, it was. I was like, okay, like they're like, okay, I we have this whole army here. We don't have enough of us. Here's what we're gonna do. And then I'm like, what was your plan here? Like it just, it, like I said, it looked, it looked like. They're like, well, we have to have an epic fight scene, so we'll just have one, and it'll work yeah. out. Yeah, I, yep. it's kind of lazy writing here. Um, Malice arrives for the totem. Sarah, Mikamaya, Nate, Zari, and Wally combine the totem's energies to create the ultimate warrior. <laughs> and the ultimate callback, an enlarged Bebo. As bad as this looked, and it looked terrible, oh, this, was, this was hilarious. This was like a this was like a Benny Hill sketch come to life. This was the funniest thing. I la- I mean, I was I was at home watching this. Like my kids had just come home as this was happening. I'm like, you gotta come see this. Like Melissa says, as, as of all the stuff that I watch, she kind of likes to see W stuff. She doesn't mind watching those. She thought the Bebo thing was hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, absurd. It is yeah. the most absurd thing that could potentially be on your television at that point in time uh, it's a total, total it, callback to Ghostbusters you know, it is you know everyone clear your mind the, 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 the that's all I was thinking been, of the destroyer has been chosen I didn't think of anything did you? no my mind is totally blank I that's all have... I was thinking of during that whole time <laughs> I, I was like this, help is, it. <laughs> this is a Ghostbusters and I was waiting for, I seriously was waiting for like some Stay Puft Marshmallow Man yeah, to that's show where up I, thought, I was like that's where I be... thought they were going yeah um, it's but it, the thing is is that's again fitting for this show because this show has so much fun that they said you know what screw it this is what we're going to have we got big horn scary demon and we have his nemesis <laughs> Bebo. The, Bebo, the blue care bear. It's time. Bring it on. And yep. oh, a wow. main event anywhere in the galaxy. Here here is I'll read this to you right here. It says Legends of Tomorrow is a serious show about time travel and the consequences of your actions. Also, Legends of Tomorrow has a giant fluffy blue teddy bear kill the big <laughs> bad while screaming Bebo want cuddle. <laughs> That's perfect. This makes you want to run into your bedroom, jump on top of your wife, and go, Bebo loves you. <laughs> Bebo won cuddle. <laughs> so good. Um, all right, so Bebo obviously kills Malice because, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the aftermath, Nora is arrested by the Time Bureau, but Ray gives her a time stone because you know she is, she's not done with this television show. Uh, Amaya turns to Zambezi because she's now off the show, being replaced with Constantine. Uh, and the legends go to uh, 2018 Aruba when John Constantine arrives, revealing that Malice was not the only demon that was released. So, 
Now, so we'll still have more time travel because that's the whole show, but now we're going to have time travel and demons like you do. Mm. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for season four. Uh, I, are you excited about it? I'm excited about it. <laughs> Bring it on. I am. I want to see John Constantine. I, I definitely want to see more of him uh, mm. because, I, again, I wish I had the chance to check his series out when it was on. I assume I could probably find that somewhere, but yeah, it's on the, uh, it's, I believe it's on the CW, uh, seed app. Okay. And you know, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think our team is, they're, they're gelling. Uh, I think they need to make you way more use of Wally West, but we almost kind of encroach on that too powerful, uh, type of deal kind of like we do with firestorm well let me let me counter with this firestorm was way overpowered and underused i think having a speedster on the team because here's the problem like you have nate who has superpower but he barely uses it then you have their version of iron man who is the atom you know and he can only use his powers if he's in his suit sarah Mm -hmm. doesn't have any powers um Rory doesn't have any powers. He has a gun. Zari only ha- has her totem, which gives her powers, but that's it. She doesn't have the totem. She doesn't have any powers either. They need somebody on the ship who actually has superpowers. I'll give you that. I, I will give you that. Uh, he has a lot more. I hope they focus on him a little bit more as we go through. I don't. The other thing is that they may not want to turn this into a clone of the Flash, uh, mm-hmm. so they're probably going to. You know they're probably going to use him sparingly. Well, um, I don't know. I well I, again, clone of the Flash. What does that mean? You know, the Flash is fucking mopey uh, Grant Gustin <laughs> crying over the latest person who's died on his watch. Wally's not the Wally is not is not Barry. Yeah. Um, so I think it's okay to have a speedster on the team doing speedster stuff. Um, his character needs fleshed out more. I yeah. want to see that happen. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited they have Wally on the team. I thought I thought it was a good. He had no place on the Flash anymore. They sort of he had sort of run his uh, run his race, so to speak. There was you know with the with the story they were telling, they really didn't need him anymore. That you know that wasn't the point. They had a much better story this year with the elongated man as the as the other powered being. Um, you know, so I would much rather see him with this ensemble cast. Besides, the guy that plays him, like he's he's a charismatic enough actor, but you know he, but he definitely needs to work off of other people. He's not carrying a show by himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh so what? I mean, you're excited for season four? Yo, absolutely. Yeah, man. I am demons. Sure, let's do it, man. I love the guy that plays Constantine. <laughs> I think he's great. So I'm excited to see him on the team. And if Ava's a regular, um, I wonder if we're going to get into love triangle stuff. I don't know. John Constantine has prolifically been throughout the DC universe lately, um, kind of a representation of what we see. This this kind of uh, sexually ambiguous. I wouldn't say ambiguous. I want to say uh, progressive. How's that? Sexually progressive. I have kind no of idea what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> He gets around, Mark Radlitz. Oh, he's a he whore. Got it. He, I don't he know why he didn't say the, that. With the guys and the ladies. So, uh, and, and that is going to be interesting to see if they use that in the in the newer season. Um, so, 
you know, yeah, Constantine, I, I'm excited about. I, you know, I, I, I assume Nora will probably at least show up a little bit throughout the season. She mm-hmm. didn't die; she's still alive, so that's good. Damian Dark, stay dead. Please that's stay dead. Ugh. I don't, I don't know what we would see with a newer, what our villain would be. Um, I, I do want to see some like more magic characters because Constantine is in there. There are definitely a host of magic characters that the uh, magic wielding characters that the DC universe could throw in here, like Dr. Fate, Zatanna. Uh, and I don't know if some of those showed up on the actual Constantine show or not, but I would man, love could... for Zatanna to show up. Uh, and, oh and goodness. That would be fantastic. You know, if they actually can get, if they can throw in all the characters, not all in the same episode, but if we can sort of sprinkle in the entire Justice League dark, that'd be fantastic. Dude. <laughs> Swamp Thing? Yeah. Oh, please. Let's get some Swamp oh, Thing on, on, on there. Come on, man. Let's get some Zatanna. Get, what was it? What was the other guy called? Dead Man? Oh yeah. Dead Man. Dead Man's one of them. Uh, uh, it would be, It'll be fun to see how they go. I haven't seen much news about what's going to be happening in season four, but they've got a lot of possibilities, and it'll be uh, – this is going to probably be my favorite show, unless they do something really bad to take it and spin it off the rails. I'll be watching this show until it, until it ends. So, yep. uh, yeah, I'm ready. All right. Uh, let's quick get into plugs. Um, we're recording this Tuesday night. It's going to – you know, it's it'll it'll – be up momentarily. Most of you will probably listen to it on uh, Wednesday. Uh, so, while well, I'm at the Foo Fighters, Jesse and Robert Cooper are going to do their own show. They're going to talk about Primordial. Um, and then Thursday, our re- re-recording of the Infinity Gauntlet, this time with uh, Jesse, Pat Mullen, and myself. And as we discussed, that Thanos is a pussy. Uh... <laughs> That drops the at the same. That'll drop at the same time uh, as the Infinity War movie actually comes out next week. Um, again, continuing to synergize with the Infinity War movie, uh, we'll have our source material discussion of Thanos rising, more Thanos pining after a girl. Uh, we'll have damn you Hollywood Avengers Infinity War. Uh, we're going to look at Godsmack. Speaking of Thanos. Um, when legends something when, when legends Return? rise when legends rise. rise there we go and then um just uh we just put this together pat and i are actually going to uh talk about the late bruno san martino and we're going to commentate over one of his matches probably his match at madison square garden with the uh, uh, superstar billy graham so nice. we got, yeah so we got a bunch of shows lined up for you over the next week uh, Jesse, I got to step away for a second. Go ahead and do your plugs. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, go give the Rattlich in Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer. We do MMA, we talk comics. We talk TV shows, we talk movies, all sorts of great content for you to check out there. Last night, oh boy, we had a great time discussing uh we did a video game commentary it was me mark radlich robert winfrey and our good buddy ronnie adams from the screaming boy podcast uh we discussed uh, the one that's going to be releasing i think it's going to be this sunday to coincide with the milestone 
uh, of the recent Simpsons episode that's going to be I think they're going to own the record of most scripted oh boy Mark said it last night regardless they, it's it's been around for a while they're going to outlive Gunsmoke apparently not outlive but uh, Mark what was what's the Simpsons episode what's the milestone they're hitting uh, they'll be the longest running scripted episodic show in history they'll have just there eaten Gunsmoke so listen for our commentary on a playthrough of the arcade game of The Simpsons. Uh, so we had a good time doing that. Also, to release... No, it's already released. <laughs> yeah, there was only minimal crying by some of the cast members on that show. <laughs> uh, so, uh, also, in, in coinciding with the release of... Uh, uh, Infinity War here in, in synergistic fashion. You could probably go back in the archives and listen to me and Roddy Adams talk about the Wolverine run-through for Marvel superheroes. If you remember that Capcom game that came out in 1995, we talked a, a little bit about that. You can go onto YouTube, onto my YouTube page. It's source. You just look up hashtag source material on YouTube. You'll find, and you can subscribe to that. You can check out all the videos. Got everything on there from Metal Hammers of Doom, extras, Metal Hammers of Doom. Metal Hammer of Dooms? I don't know what the plural of that is. Either way, you can check that out. we got a lot of extras on there, video-related uh, and, and otherwise. So other than that, my name is Jesse Starcher. I turn it over to you to Mark Radlitz. Let's get out of here, man. All right. Let's go ahead and hit that uh, groovy theme. Be well for Jesse Starcher, the disapproving dad. Be well. I am your <laughs> mandated reporter, and <laughs> frankly, I'm mortified. <laughs> yes. Indeed. It's late. It's late indeed. Be well, be safe, and behave. number one number two employee leave a message at the hey jamie it's me jamie this is your daily pep talk i know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group mad harmony but you will bounce back i mean you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool it should be you giving me the pep talk now get out there hit that high note and take mad harmony all the way to nationals this year sorry this is pitchy progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law